Well, today I want to talk to you guys about restoring faith in the middle of disappointments. Life comes with some disappointments, and restoring faith and hope in the middle of life's disappointments is important. Have you ever been disappointed before? If you're a Bears fan this morning, the answer is yes. Right? So disappointing. Besides all those jokes, have you ever been disappointed? (laughs) So as I prayed about this message, the Lord just really gave me this very visual image of life's disappointments. I'm going to have Jacob and Andrew, can you guys grab my visual image? And I'm going to call this the shelf of disappointment. We're going to kind of walk through what that looks like in our lives. It's not elf on the shelf. This is the shelf of disappointment. Here it is. They're going to drop it. Oh, oh, man, look at those skills. Skills. The shelf of disappointment. Thank you. Give it up for these guys. Yeah. How strong they are. The shelf of disappointment. Let's start with the biggest one. I think it's a big box that we throw on the shelf. It's relationships. Maybe you have a friendship that you thought was going to turn into something, blossom into something beautiful, and then they move away. It's like, oh, it's very disappointing. Or maybe you have a friendship and like some conflict comes in the middle of it and you split ways completely. Super disappointing. Think of relationships as far as dating. You're dating somebody, you think that is moving forward and Come to realize, like, it's not really the right one, and you just split away, and you throw it up there on the shelf of disappointment. Maybe you're in the middle of a marriage right now that it's it's not exactly what you dreamed. Throw it up there on the shelf of disappointment. Another one is health. Since I turned 40, which hasn't happened yet, I'm just letting you know, but... Since I've turned 40, I can tell you, like, I, can, I can't do things that I used to be able to do. And sometimes, you know, health is disappointing. Maybe you're dealing with, you know, some health issues. Every time I go into the gym and stuff, my feet hurt now. It's very disappointing. I don't know what's going on. Stupid feet. But... <laughs> Maybe you had some health issues all your life, and it's just like, man, you constantly throw it on that shelf. Like, I wanted to do these things. I wanted to go on vacation. I wanted to run a marathon. It's just like health issue after health issue. Some of us, you know, even before we're born, we're born with more health issues than, than the, the average person because our great-grandpa and our grandpa and then our parents and then us, and it's like this whole family line of health issues, and it feels very disappointing. Like, I wish I could do that, but I'm just dealing with all these issues that go way back. Maybe you have church disappointment. Some church disappointment. Start off at a new church. It's like, it's exciting, and you're excited about the vision of the church, and you figure out, like, this isn't exactly the vision that I had for the church, and it gets really disappointing. You leave, or... Whatever it may be, some church disappointment. Maybe your job. 
do a lot of work to finally get hired on at a place and realize this isn't even the job that I want. How disappointing is it to spend four years of your life investing into something and then you get into that position and you realize this isn't even what I want to do at all. It's just kind of disappointing or the job moves on and start a new company with people and then it fizzles out. It's disappointing. We throw it up there on the shelf. Some other things, maybe parenting, finances, Maybe your finances are really disappointing right now. It's like, oh, I'd love to have more finances. It's just disappointing. Maybe you've been in ministry before. Maybe you've been in ministry in the, in the past or you're currently in ministry and you're investing in people and sometimes it just gets disappointing. And we throw it up there on the shelf and I want to call this the life, the shelf of life's disappointments. And it gets full Actually, this one didn't have a name on it, but I'm going to write a name on this box here. This box, I want a title. <laughs> this is 2020. <laughs> Life's disappointment shelf, it goes right here. It's a pretty big box. Maybe that's just me. Maybe that's for me, but you know, last year was a lot of disappointments. You can't plan anything. Everything you plan ends up fizzling out. It's like, oh, that was disappointing. What do we do with this shelf? The thing that a lot of us do is we drag it around everywhere we go. You start a new job and you're like, okay, yeah. Oh, so where do you want me? What cubicle is it? Oh, okay, that one. Let me, let me grab my shelf. Let's go. I got, I got all this stuff. I don't know if there's enough room for me and my shelf. Start a new relationship, you go out on a date, and it's like, how, how can you even start a relationship? Like you're bringing all these disappointments into a new relationship. Table for two, but then I have my shelf too. It's hard not to drag it around. Everywhere we go, we come into a new church, excited about the vision, excited about what's happening, and we drag our shelf into it. Oh, I got a lot of old church disappointments. A lot of churches let me down. We bring that with us. Jeremiah is the book that we've been reading through. And I just want to look at today how Jeremiah faced disappointment constantly. We're in the middle of this book right now, the longest book in the Bible that we're reading together to start off our year and how Jeremiah faced disappointments. He's able to push through them. And just kind of look at his life and see how he did that. A lot of times we read the Bible for, um, you know, the context of it and like how that story applies to our life. But today what I want to do is I want to look at the book of Jeremiah as Jeremiah is a human being. Jeremiah was not a bullfrog. He was a human <laughs> And he had a real life. This is, this is real stuff. This is real things that he walked through. So I just want to kind of look at Jeremiah's life as he walked through these disappointments. And what did he do? Would you guys just pray with me? Lord, we just invite you to just speak directly to our hearts here. Holy Spirit, would you just come? Lord, as we kind of look at the shelf in our own life and and we just see the different areas that we've been dragging into the next year, even dragging 2020 into 2021. 
Lord, that we would just be able to present them to you, Lord. Would you just speak directly to our hearts what we need to hear? I thank you, God, that you never disappoint. Lord, that you always speak so clearly. And so, Lord, I just get out of your way. I just choose to get out of your way. Would you speak directly through me? Would you speak to your kids? Would you speak to me too, Lord? I need to hear this. In Jesus' name, amen. It's okay. Say amen with me, please. One more time. Amen. Jeremiah 26. Early in the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. So I want you to realize that Jeremiah is a prophet, and God's word comes to Jeremiah, and then Jeremiah presents it to people. So that's how that worked. God would say something to Jeremiah, Jeremiah would take what the Lord says, and then say it to people. And so the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, and he's getting ready to present it to people. Stand in the courtyard of the Lord's house and speak to all the people of the towns of Judah who come to worship in the house of the Lord. And tell them everything I command you. Do not omit a word. Okay, so this is the very first time, I don't know, I haven't done a whole lot of studying on this, but this is the very first time that I think the Lord uses the word perhaps. And I could, be, I could totally be wrong. I invite you to Google it, because Google knows everything. So uh, perhaps, the Lord uses perhaps in verse 3. So he tells Jeremiah, go to the courtyard and say what I have for you to say, and then... Perhaps they will listen, and each will turn from their evil ways. So God has tried just about everything to make it very clear to people that there's, a, there's an army in the north that is willing and ready to attack you guys, and they're going to wipe your land out. So what I want you to do is I want you to turn away from your evil ways, and I want to be your God again. And so here's, here's Jeremiah doing exactly what the Lord's called him to. And in verse 3, it says, and then perhaps they will change their ways. God's saying perhaps. It's like, we're, we're going to try anything we can. And then I will relent and not afflict them with the disaster I was planning because of the evil they have done. Say to them, this is what the Lord, word of the Lord says. If you do not listen to me and follow my law, which I have set before you, and if you do not listen to the words of my servants and the prophets, whom I have sent to you time and time again, and though you have not listened, then I will make the house like Shiloh and a city a curse among the nations of the earth. So Shiloh is this other city that the Philistines actually attacked and when they attacked it, they like destroyed it. Remember the Philistines? So like David fought Goliath, which was a Philistine. So the Philistines were like these mighty, mighty men. And so they went into a city and just completely demolished it. And that's called Shiloh. And so God's saying, if you don't turn from your wicked ways, I'm going to actually make the city like Shiloh. All you got to do is just change. Turn around, repent, come back to me, and I'll protect you guys. But the Babylonians are coming from the north. And if you don't change, then they're coming. So here's Jeremiah once again doing exactly what God has called him to do. How many times in this book is Jeremiah saying, this is what the word of the Lord says. Hey, if you guys like would just change around, if you come back to the Lord, then he'll protect us. 
This is Jeremiah's word, and he goes into the courtyard. Could you imagine that? Constantly going into courtyards and going, hey, God wants your hearts again. Like, change your ways. And Jeremiah's like, God says he's going to protect us if we change our ways. Any changes out there? Did anybody change? Did anything happen? Over and over again, Jeremiah is constantly drawn to going into courtyards and saying, change your ways. And you look and there's no change. Zero. Zilch. Nada. Let's keep reading. Jeremiah 26, 7. The priests, the prophets, and all the people who heard Jeremiah speak the words in the house of the Lord. But as soon as Jeremiah finished telling them every... uh, finished telling all the people everything the Lord had commanded him to say. The priests and the prophets said to the people, seize him, he must die. So they were so sick of Jeremiah's message that they finally got to a point where they're like, let's just kill this dude and then he'll shut up. This is Jeremiah, he's a real person. Seize him, he must die. Why do you prophesy in the Lord's name that our house will be like Shiloh and the city will be desolate and deserted? And all the people crowded around Jeremiah in the house of the Lord. In the message version, it says that they mobbed him. So Jeremiah started his his life as a priest. Okay, and then God called him to be a prophet. So did you see that it said the priests and the prophets actually rallied around him and said, like, we got to seize this guy. He won't shut up. And so his own friends desert him. These are people that he probably went through school with, that he was also a priest with. These are his friends. And they're saying, like, hey, this guy needs to shut up. And so they mob him. How many of you in this room think you could do what Jeremiah was called to do for one year? Raise your hand. This isn't pride. Shalice, were you about to raise your hand? Okay. One year, God's called you to go present the word of the Lord and to protect your city. One year. Anybody? Okay, we got one. Good. Four years. Four years, you're waking up every morning. God's told me to go down and talk and tell everybody they need to repent. Zero results. No changes. They actually got to a point with Jeremiah's life that they lowered him down into a well that didn't have any water, and it's just mud. You're in the bottom of a well with no water in the mud because God's telling you to go tell these people to change your life around, and nobody cares. Nobody cares. He did that for 42 years of his life, invested in telling people change, and there's no results, zero change. They're finally at a point where they're like, ready to get rid of him. Let's throw him in a well so he'll shut up. They're trying everything. They've tried it all. So my question today is, how did he do that? A lot of times we just read the Bible as like fictional characters and stuff. No, this is a real person. I would make it about two weeks as Jeremiah. I'm going to be honest, right? About two weeks of like, okay, I tried that. Nothing's happening. There's no change. 
How did he keep the faith and continue to do what God called him to do? How did he keep the hope that things would change and that people would finally hear the Lord's message? The only way that Jeremiah was able to do that is to get rid of the shelf of disappointment. He'd have to remove them. Every morning, he would have to look at the shelf of disappointment and say, I'm choosing not to bring you into this, this day. That's the only way I could see it happening. If I don't see things change in six months, I'm pretty disappointed. Anybody else? If I don't see any change in six months, in six weeks, okay, honestly, two weeks. If I, don't, if I don't see things change that I'm trying out, like this is new, two days, okay? I want to see some change. If I try a diet and it doesn't work within the first two weeks and my pants are still tight and all that stuff, I'm done. This ain't working at all, right? You know, it takes us 18 years to put the weight on and then we want it gone in 18 days, right? That's the way I work. If I don't see any changes in about two weeks, three weeks, I'm done with it. But Jeremiah was willing to persist and and to move forward and to keep going after 42 years of no results. He had to have waked up every morning, woke up every morning, got rid of the shelf of disappointment, and move forward. Jeremiah's message for people was so powerful. He had so much faith. He had so much hope for people that he was able to say Jeremiah 29, 11, which is one of my favorite verses, says this, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you and plans to give you a hope and a future. And so, like, you may have seen that on a coffee mug. You may have seen that on a wall, you know, in that cool font. For I know the plans I have for you. How amazing is it that that message was same, the same message to the people that were completely denying and totally against everything Jeremiah was saying. That was to the same crowd. That message was presented to the same crowd that wanted nothing to do with God. Jeremiah was able to have enough faith to say, you know what, I don't care what you guys do. I don't care if you turn to God because God knows the plans that he has for you and their plans to help you hope, have a hope and a, a future. Their plans to prosper you. He had to get rid of the shelf of disappointment. Start off each morning with, this morning comes with new opportunities. God's mercies are new today. That God is working a plan out for everyone. There is hope that something could change today. And you can't think that way when you're carrying a shelf of disappointment everywhere you go. It's tough. If our focus is on past disappointments, it's really hard to look at Monday morning as this could be great. Jeremiah was able to give God his disappointments, and you see it in the book time and time again where he just complains to God, why did you call me to this? Just complains to God. 
but he gave them to God. He's able to get rid of them. I think this is how we move forward. This is how we can move forward. This is the application that you and I can move forward. We can get rid of our shelf of disappointment. And this is how God will restore faith and hope in the midst of disappointment. In the middle of a disappointing year, in the middle of a disappointing relationship, that we can move forward in that. When we come to him and we say, Jesus, would you just take my disappointments? They're yours. I just give them to you. I don't want them anymore. And what he does is he takes our relationships and he turns them around that we can trust people again. We can turn our disappointments, the old relationships that we had with people, and like, I will never trust a woman again. I will never trust a man again. Those words that we say, that we claim over our life, Jesus will take those words and he'll put trust back in our heart for people. That we can come into a new relationship. We can come into a new business adventure. We can come into a new dating, a new date with like, I could actually trust somebody. That we could look at our husband as he may still leave his clothes on the floor, but I'm going to choose to love him anyways. That's a message for Amy this morning. (laughs) That we could trust people again. How amazing would it be to just trust people seriously? How amazing would it be to just truly trust people? That when you meet someone and there's a, there's a connection, you actually like go all in. It's like, I, I want you as a friend. I really value that. It's so hard to do. But to trust people. It turns our health into faith. Yeah, my great-grandpa might have dealt with that. My grandpa might have dealt with that. My parents deal with that. I'm choosing to have faith that my health doesn't have to look like that. And to pray again. To come against those things. Physically, mentally, every aspect of our life. That our jobs can look like dreams. How many of you want to live your dream job? Hmm? It's all a matter of your perspective, isn't it? You can actually live your dream job tomorrow morning. If you work tonight, go to your dream job. Dream again at your work of what it could look like Dream again of the the impact that you could have for the kingdom of God in your workplace again. Maybe you tried sharing your faith with people in the past, and it's like, it did nothing. It didn't do anything at all. Nobody listened to me. I was actually called the, the weirdo or whatever. Dream again for like how much of an impact God could use you in your job. To have dreams again that are bigger than yourself in your workplace. Dreams, again, that are, that are bigger than what you could have accomplished. To dream again in your job, in your church. To have hope. 
Hope that God's using your church, using you in your church, that as you serve and as you love every single person that comes in the door, hope that you're making a difference. Hope that the vision of the church, the big church, is Christ's vision, that it's bigger than our vision, to have hope again for a church. Maybe you've had a lot of church disappointment. I invite you this morning to turn some of that around and have some hope again. Hope that the church could be exactly as it was in the book of Acts. That people shared life together. That they, they shared their possessions together. That they really did life together. Hope. Hope that God has a plan for you in this church. You can turn it around. For 2020, there's no vision, there's no hope, there's nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. Take that box and just kick it. Parenting, finances, persistence. Your financial situation this morning is really disappointing. I never knew I'd be this much in debt. Maybe that's what you came in the door, like as you went through Starbucks. You're like, geez, I'm putting Starbucks on a credit card. (laughs) This is where life's at. That God will give you persistence to keep pushing through that stuff. Credit cards live on and make millions of dollars off shelves of disappointment. That's how they work. We're disappointed with what we have, so we get in debt. Have persistence. Keep going. It takes a while to pay off debt. Have persistence in your parenting. Keep going. Keep loving your kids and and. Putting, getting the shelf of disappointment, like, I wish I was so much of a better parent or whatever that may be. Or maybe some decisions that you made in the past and it's very disappointing in your parenting. God's inviting you today to have persistence, to be the parent that you want to be today, not looking at the past, but actually taking into account what God wants to do in you today with your kids, how to love and lead your kids. Have persistence. This is the shelf that the Lord's inviting you to drag around with you. When you start a new job, you come in there with trust. You come in there with hope. When you show up Monday morning at your old job, you come in there with hope and trust and and persistence. This is the shelf that the Lord wants to give you. This is the inventory that he wants to supply you with on your shelves of life. He wants to get rid of the the shelf of disappointment and completely fulfill all those things with the things that he brings to the table, what the kingdom of God brings to the table, which is hope and joy and love and trust, all the beautiful things of life. But I got to be honest with you guys. I've had time to think about this message. And I can honestly say, you know, there's some things in my life personally that are more like this. (laughs) something about like that let's say like that 
They're in process. They're turning around. They're not complete. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you, like, I live on the shelf and, like, I live this out every single day. I just don't. You want somebody to lie to you? It's not me. (laughs) This is where I'm at. And the beautiful part about Jesus is what he invites us into is he bandages our wounds. He doesn't say, snap out of it, just change your life around, get things in order. What Jesus did is he came from heaven to earth to be a part of the process. And sometimes we forget that. But Jesus is a part of the process. He, he fixes us from the inside out. He starts to mend our heart together again so we can trust people. I'm sorry, it doesn't happen in a day. Sometimes it's just a process of just continuously saying, God, would you give me trust for people again? This is really tough. And Jesus starts to fix us and mend us and bring the things that he has for us. So I don't want you to leave like, yeah, fill up your shelf with all those things. You should just have that as you walk out the door. What I'm inviting you into is the process. Jesus wants to start working on those areas. Like anything that I said that made sense or the Holy Spirit revealed to you this morning, that's God inviting you into a process. I want to work on your relationships. I want to help you trust people again. I want to work on your friendships. You know that job that I gave you, that dream that I gave you? Let's work on that together. I want to be part of that. That's what I love about Jesus. I love that about him. He, he loves us so much. He's not angry with us if we don't just do what he says right away and just, okay, God, this is what you're saying. I'm going to take my shelf and I'm walking out the door. But he wants to, he wants to work with us. He's in it for the long haul. You know, it's not a Sunday morning thing. He's, he's going to be there tomorrow morning reminding you of some of this stuff. So I just invite you to just turn to him. Jesus, what are you doing? Who are you inviting me to trust again? You want to do that this morning? So I just invite you, even this morning, whatever came to mind, anything that was on that shelf, you're just like, man, I want to have dreams for my job again. I want to have dreams for bigger things. Maybe you're an entrepreneur, and it's been tough to dream. God wants to breathe on those dreams. So whatever the Lord's inviting you in on, just invite you to grab a hold of it this morning. Take it. Take it to heart. Let's pray. Yeah, Holy Spirit, would you just come? Would you come, Lord? Come, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Have your way, God. Open up our hearts. Open up our hearts. Mm-hmm. 
So even in this moment right now, this is a, this is a holy moment where we actually get an opportunity to just stand before the Lord. He's here this morning. The Holy Spirit is here. The Father is here. He loves you. You are his child. And um, yeah. He wants to just fill you up with different areas that he's working on in your life. And so I just invite you this morning to to just present those to God, that anything in your life that you're like, man, I've been carrying around this shelf and it's been pretty full of disappointments, to just go ahead and make the transfer this morning and just invite Jesus into that. It's as simple as just saying, Jesus, I just, I give you these disappointments. Just give them to you. hand them over yeah just hand them over they're his he can carry it yeah come Lord come Lord Man, I just have a strong sense that the Lord's given some of you in this room some amazing, uh, crazy dreams of what he wants to do through you and uh, how he wants to use you, even impact downtown, impact the city, impact young adults, uh, impact uh, teens, uh, impact uh, kids, to, to make a huge impact for the kingdom of God. And he's just inviting you to to let him pursue those dreams. As you just hand over your disappointments, Jesus just wants to invite you to just trust him in those dreams. That those were his dreams for this city. Those were his dreams for ministry. Those were his dreams for his church. And just, just to hand them over. So any frustration or disappointment that you've had, just hand it over to him. Just give it to him. just love to receive communion with you guys. We have communion at the back of the room where we're going to receive this right now in just remembering what Jesus did on the cross for us. As we think about communion, the Bible says on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he invited the disciples to remember him by receiving communion. If you don't have communion, can you raise your hand? We'll have somebody pass it out. Kim, can you, will you run some communion around? Thank you so much. I'd love everybody to partake in this. So as I was thinking about that, I was just thinking about Jesus' dreams for the disciples. You know, he, he had these huge dreams for what the disciples were going to be and, um, and who, who they were going to reach and all the different dreams and plans that Jesus had for his disciples. And so um, one thing that just reminded me of is that Jesus' dreams for his disciples continued even in the midst of disappointment. You know, the disciples, Judas betrays him. Peter denies him. The disciples go back to fishing, completely step away from the job that Jesus invited them in on. 
but he is able to, to have faith in the midst of disappointment. And so he invites us today, whatever your health situation is this morning, I just invite you to have faith in that as you receive his body, that his body was bruised and broken and beaten for us, that the same body that we are going to receive in the kingdom of heaven, we can receive in the kingdom of earth. That Jesus actually invites us to pray, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if you've been dealing with a lot of health issues, I just really believe that the Lord just wants to invite you to have faith. Have faith again. Maybe you've prayed about this for a really long time. Maybe you've had some illnesses that have stuck with you to just receive his body. And I also believe that over our minds too, because the mind is a very big part of the body, isn't it? And so as you receive his body, that your mind would just be healed and whole in Jesus' name. So let's just receive his body. Let's just thank him for his forgiveness. Lord God, we thank you for your blood that has just forgiven each one of us in this room, that there is no past that is not forgivable, that you've forgiven every single aspect of our life. And we get to walk in the door with new mercy. We get to wake up every single morning knowing that you love us enough to just forgive us and call us your sons and daughters. And so, Lord, uh, we just stand in that forgiveness right now. And we remember what you did on the cross, the price that you paid. That us holding guilt and shame is, is, is uh, it's not a price that we have to pay anymore. We can actually stand in your forgiveness now. And so, Lord, we just choose to receive your forgiveness. And we also choose to just forgive anyone else. Anyone that we're holding unforgiveness onto. Lord, we just choose to forgive them right now. As we are forgiven, we forgive others. Yeah. Amen. I just invite you to, let's just stand up and let's sing this last song.